1: recording live from jake's sports and spirits in the historic rhino district of
2: denver colorado it's the pickaxe podcast presented by denver stiffs Here's
1: your host, Adam Mates.
2: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pig Axe Podcast presented by Denver Stiffs. I am your host, Adam Mates, and I'm joined by two of the brightest Nuggets bloggers on the planet. Wow, that, that is... <laughs> to my left is writer for, actually, editor-in-chief of BSN Nuggets, yeah. Harrison Wynn. Harrison, how are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, seated across from me is Dev Johnson? Who is Dev Johnson? Dev Johnson with Mile High Sports. Dev, what's going on, man? Everything is good. Olympic basketball. We just watched a really boring Olympic final that we're going to dig into all the juicy details. Um, But first, we're recording actually at my house in Commerce City. We're not at Jake Sports and Spirits. Um, but Jake's is our sponsor. It is one of the premier sports bars, sports themed bars in all of Denver. They got terrific food, happy hour specials five nights a week. I always get the wings. What do you, you? You been there, Dev? You been to Jake's?
0: No, I've never been to Jake's.
2: What? You've never made it to a stiff's night out either, no, huh? I need,
0: to, I need to get make that uh, that trip. You're gonna remedy that soon. I always do the
2: salad or the wings, but a good place, lots of Nuggets memorabilia. The owner is of course the mysterious Jake Feinstein, the evil twin of Andy Feinstein proprietor of Denver Stiffs. So check him out if you're in town or if you're in the area, go there for uh, and check it out and let them know that Denver Stiffs sent you there. All right guys, we just watched um, a pretty pretty freaking boring basketball game honestly, mm-hmm. a gold medal match in which Team USA after struggling for for parts of this tournament and not looking like a formidable Dream team, so to speak. They kind of cleaned up in the gold medal game. I'll start with you, Harrison. Thoughts on the gold medal game? I
3: mean, it was it was close out of the gates, right? And we're all saying, "Man, U.S. is iso balling it," and it looks like it's going to stay pretty close. And then
2: for like maybe three minutes, yeah, it was.
3: And then the uh, the U.S.'s second team, that defensive unit, came in and just kind of put the clamps on, and it was kind of game over from there.
2: Yeah.
0: What do you think, Deb? Broad, broad first takeaway of the game for the first full quarter. I was excited. I think they ended the the first quarter tied, so I was excited. I thought it was going to be a very close game, just similar to the first game. But USA showed up at that point. Uh, well, really, Kevin Durant showed up. Yeah,
3: yeah, Kevin Durant. I mean, clearly established himself as the best player in the Olympics.
0: It's kind during of,
3: that first half. There.
0: We may or may
2: not because we watched the game together. We may or may not have said at the first quarter like. Kevin Durant might have a terrible year where he struggles. I might might have said that. I may or may not have said that. And we might have all agreed. Uh, And then, of course, he comes out and hits like four threes, has a couple breakaway dunks, and puts the thing away. Um, Yeah, that's my takeaway from this team. I mean, this was my least favorite Team USA in my lifetime. We kind of talked about... uh, 2008 was kind of our first real Team USA, because 2004, we were all young. I think you guys were probably still in diapers. (laughs) But uh, but we were all, you know, that was kind of a little bit before our time. But if you look at 2008, 2010, 2012, 2014, and 2016, um, this was probably my least favorite of that group. And part of that was because they didn't have that that alpha dog, that top dog. And in this game, at least, they did, because Kevin Durant was clearly that guy. Yeah,
3: yeah, and also they didn't have the kind of star power those other teams had. You know, no Curry, yeah. no LeBron. So, it was it was just kind of a different feel for the US team. At least that's how it felt to me.
2: I always think about this because I love this era of basketball. But see, I'm 32, LeBron's 31, Melo's 32. These guys are my age. So, I always wonder, do I like the modern era of basketball or do I like my generation of players? And this was an interesting year. This was maybe the first time where I paused and thought, you know, I kind of like Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, uh, Kyrie Irving. I like those guys less than the previous generation, the previous wave, the Chris Pauls, Mellows, Wade, LeBron. And I don't know if that's just because of the style of play or if I'm just less invested in it. Hmm. Um, but it's something I'm kind of – but you guys are younger. So you, so it would seem like these guys following that same logic, you guys are the same age as Kyrie and, and, and some of the younger guys. Do you feel attached to that generation?
3: No, not necessarily. I don't I don't really see it like that, honestly. I just just kind of watch the games and, you know, like like who I like. I don't really s- stay attached to people because of their age. I don't feel like I, right. I'm naturally dr- drawn to younger players, I guess, but yeah.
0: What are you, who are some of your favorite guys in the league? Dev? I think some of my favorite players would be of course LeBron um
2: i do not of course man there was a time when like people i would say he had more haters than he had people
0: that liked him he's kind of come full circle in that regard yeah but um back to what you were saying with the younger players i do think i kind of gravitate towards the younger players just seeing them in high school at the time that i'm a little bit older than them but they're around the same exact age as me so I i do gravitate towards those players
2: yeah and yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying too. It's not it's not that I like them because they're my same age, but it's just like I feel like I grew up with them whereas with guys like Kyrie that wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case and it'll never be the case again because obviously they just get younger and younger. Yeah,
3: and they're more relatable, you know. You can relate to guys like LeBron who have a family and stuff and we can we can relate to guys like Kyrie who <laughs> like to go out and have a good time at night. <laughs>
2: That's there's definitely there is probably some truth to that. Although I would say I don't know how similar my life is to to LeBron James' <laughs> life, but uh, but yeah, there, there probably is some some truth to that. Um, you know, this game obviously features, featured Serbia, which was really exciting because we had a lot of Serbian fans on the Denver Stiffs message board on the in the comment section saying they're they're slow playing the pool play and they're going to be uh they're going to make the championship game because they have the skill they have the talent and i didn't believe them but i got to say and i don't know if that was the plan i don't know if they were really slow playing or if they just kind of came together at the right time but they did look like if not the second best team at least tied for the second best team with with teams like Australia and Spain mm-hmm. i
0: think they were a legitimate very good team in this tournament what do you think i'll start with you dev I think if you just take away the championship game itself, uh, if right. you really just don't go off of the championship game, they were the second-best team, and they looked at it a lot of the times. They they played as a team. They made shots. They were, it, it, you can't say aggressive because of the type of basketball that was played, the style of basketball that was played, but they were the second-best team, and they showed at times.
3: Yeah, I think they were the second-best team, too. I mean, when the single elimination portion started, I, I thought they would – get to the gold medal game against the u.s i mean they're so good offensively yeah they can shoot the ball they put to in the pick and roll a lot which they couldn't really do against the u.s today but i mean they can space the floor they got they can play inside they could play outside i always thought they'd be able to score against the u.s which which was weird because they couldn't score today because the u.s kind of put the clamps down defensively for sure i thought they'd always be able to score i just didn't think they'd be able to defend you know, the U.S. Yeah. In, in the end.
2: And how about Tia Teodosic? That was by far my favorite non-U.S., non-Jokic player of this tournament. He was fun to watch. He kind of reminds you a little bit of Steve Nash. And just like yeah. he has that trickery. That pass he threw. What game was it where he threw the behind? Was it the U.S. It was U.S.A. to the first time. tie the game. To yeah. To tie
0: the game. That was That's one, one of one the, the best b- passes I've ever seen. I think yeah. it was in my top three best pass. It was on the money, <laughs> behind the neck. Hit him in the chest. Like he, it was a great shot. Like he just missed the shot. It was a great pass. Does US lose that game if if he hits that wide open three off of that pass? Because there was sure. like one
2: minute left. That would have tied. Dude, the game. They had a great
0: look
3: from probably their best shooter in Bogdanovich yeah. to tie the game wide open, and they
2: missed it. So yeah, it should have been tied at least. Tia, does it. it does make you this this Olympics makes you realize maybe more so than any other one just how many talented guys there are that aren't in the league but are playing abroad. And I don't think, like, Teodosic could come into the NBA, he wouldn't be a top point guard. But he would be an adequate one. Um, Marcelo Huertas, he kind of almost reminds me of Marcelo Huertas a little bit, because Huertas, as much as he's not a great NBA player, he has he's a great NBA highlight player. Like his, <laughs> he, Every now and then he has these ridiculously great passes or shots that are kind of fun to watch. Uh, who else in the tournament stood out to you?
3: Oh, let's see here. Let's see, I really liked I mean Australia was good. Australia has some you know good players, a lot of NBA level talent. Um Bojan Bogdanovich on yeah, Croatian. man. Yeah. He he tore up the nets in Rio. He was he was on fire. He he really did what he wanted. He, looks he like, did what he wanted when he, looks he was like out bon Iver.
2: there. He does not look like a guy that plays basketball. He looks like a folk singer. <laughs> like he's he's balding. He kind of has a round face. Yeah, that, but yeah. Uh, he put up buckets. That
3: Croatia team was a lot of fun too, because I was kind of trying to think teams that you know could be contenders in in Tokyo, and right. you got to think Croatia and Serbia will be there again.
2: Young, yeah, yeah. Um, that, and that's kind of a cool rivalry, Croatia and Serbia. I think that game was kind of chippy. Obviously, there's some history, not just on ba- in between basketball, but just between the nations and stuff. And I think that'll be. I think if, I, if there's one takeaway from this Olympics, it's it's that obviously Team USA has to do a little bit better job preparing for the Olympics and maybe assembling the team. But then secondly, sure. just that there's a lot of fun rivalries outside of the Team USA that are kind of fun to watch. Brazil and Argentina, mm-hmm. you know, Australia had, had some nice matches. Uh, Deb, what about you? What, what, what guys stood out to you that maybe are a little
0: bit under the radar? I think I think Bogdanovich that played for the Serbian team. It was just yeah. because most people don't really watch the Brooklyn Nets, um, so they don't know how good he actually is. So I think that was a good thing to see him play against Team USA, who you're gonna watch. And then it, it's good instead of just going against a, your team playing against them. Uh, if you watch the Nuggets every night, they don't really play the Brooklyn Nets. So I think it was good just to see. Bogdanovich play against a team that you have to watch? I think
2: Bogdanovich and Jokic both, our first team, all look like scrubs but are better than they look. (laughs) Like, both of those guys look like 12-year-old boys, and they can ball. They can both play. Um, Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's now with Sacramento, I'm excited to kind of follow his career this year, whereas coming to the tournament, I couldn't have really told you much about him. Um, but now next year, I'll hope he gets some run. Um, I'll be watching. Yeah, sure.
3: he's 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 a legit player. I think he could be a legit rotation player. I thought it, throughout the whole tournament, it was kind of funny how Serbia, like, the lineup stayed throughout there and stuff. Because they were bringing Bogdanovich off the bench and Jokic off the bench. Like, yeah. two of their probably top three or four players. Let's talk
2: about that. Cause yeah. Man, all right, first of all, here's I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here about international basketball. Because I like the Olympics, and I like the Olympic tournament. But we almost need to come up with another word for this because it's not – it's so different than NBA basketball from, the, obviously, the time being so short, 40-minute game versus 48-minute game, the three-point line being short. There's absolutely no fast breaks allowed. Like Every team just fouls. Oh, it's, it's terrible. The games are called <laughs> ridiculously tight where, like, almost any touch is a foul. Yeah. But then on top of that, styles are different. And you mentioned – you alluded to one of the biggest ones – How can a team leave their best player or second best player on the bench and use him as a six man like Serbia did with Jokic? And a lot of teams seem to do.
3: I think earlier in the tournament,
2: wasn't Tia coming off the bench too for a couple games? It wasn't consistent. Like, he would do it, they would do it for a game, and then they wouldn't do it. And I'm just thinking, as a player, that's such a weird thing to wrap your head around, not knowing whether you're going to start a game, whether you're going to get 30 minutes, whether you're going to get 20. I don't know, international basketball is so weird. I think mostly I hate it, but there are some things that are kind of interesting.
3: Well, I think you said it pretty well, or you put it pretty well earlier when we were talking about it, and you said that international coaches just see the game differently than <laughs> yes. U.S. coaches, or how how we see it. And yeah, it's just kind of interesting. I don't know if they're trying to play the matchups, or you know, what they're really trying to do, but it's, it's interesting when you know Jokic gets playing time and is involved in the offense, and he goes off for 25 points, and then... Yeah. Yeah, you're coming off the bench again, and you're going to be used as a screener on the perimeter.
2: (laughs) For me, I hate college basketball, too. But I love the tournament, and the tournament lasts, you know, what, a handful of days total. Eight days, I think, total. And that's about all I could take of it to really enjoy it. And the one-and-done part of it is all exciting. But the same thing goes with FIBA, whereas it was fun to watch this Olympic tournament. If I had to watch 82 games of that, I would probably... Become a fan <laughs> of something else because it, there's
0: so many little things about the game that bug me. You feel the same way, or it doesn't get under your skin as much? I think it depends on what type of basketball that you actually watch. And I think with the European players, and the reason they kind of bring off Jokic or a player like that off the bench is because of the way, the style that they play. Um, anybody could go for 15 in one night because right. it's kind of just pass and mm-hmm. backdoor yeah. basket. So really, no one really stands out for 30 like 30 points. 40 points or anybody like that, because there's not a lot of ISO basketball like we see Except in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, so with the European basketball, like, the style of play is what makes it, like, anyone can score a lot of points because it's going to be bas- open baskets most of the time. Everybody's kind of more of a cog in the machine, more, so to speak. Definitely.
2: Let's, let's talk about Jokic, because he had an up-and-down tournament, I would say. I think he was great in the games that mattered. Um, And it was kind of cool because, obviously, we, we're in the bubble. We're in the Nuggets blogger bubble where we watch all this stuff. We talk about it a lot. But it was cool and almost ironic in a way that Jokic made national waves for the first time, basically, by playing for Serbia, not the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, but it was great. I thought his tournament... It was weird how the coach used him, but it was really great to see him shine when he was given an opportunity. What are, what are some of your takeaways, Harrison? I'm
3: with you. I think I generally agree with that. I'm, I'm with you in that sense. Um, I think he is you know, way more on the national scene now than he was before the Olympics started. So, so you can definitely say that's a positive. Like People probably watched him more in the Olympics than they did with the Nuggets last year. And uh, I think I think it's just funny when he went off against the U.S. and like you know people started writing about oh Nikola Jokic is, has arrived and stuff
2: yeah like Jonathan Shark's really great writer for the Ringer wrote one yeah. Um and I feel like everybody had a Jokic article coming out <laughs> yeah. at least or at least you know was was tweeting about him pretty furiously it's kind of cool to see though I gotta say. I mean that was that was kind of nice because it does feel like there's some momentum coming for the Nuggets coming in. What do you make of his tournament, Dev?
0: I think Jokic had a great tournament. I really, I really am upset that he didn't have the the big game in the championship game. Just right. because it would have been a lot more of attention. So I wish it would have flipped where he had the bad game the first game and then the championship game is the game that he scores 23 or yeah. basically stands out. But it with the Serbian team, you really have to just take away that final game and. And that's how you should basically judge him. Uh, Jokic had a great game even coming off of the bench. Yeah. Um, 23 off the bench, is a, it's a great game. Yeah.
3: If you think about his summer in, in total, I mean, he was MVP of that qualifying tournament. Right. He had a great couple games there, and then...
2: I didn't even watch that, though. Did you watch any of those? Uh, were they online? Like,
3: they were online. They, were, they weren't playing against, like, Puerto Rico and okay. not really great teams. But I mean, Carlos Arroyo still playing yeah. for Puerto Rico? <laughs> is he still there? Um, no, I mean, he had great yeah. showings in that. And then solid, I think solid Olympics is a decent way to put it. So positive summer for sure.
2: My biggest takeaway for Jokic, and this is actually something I believed before the Olympics, is that his skill set is really unique. And it really, he's a guy that's not going to dominate any circumstance. He dominates not specific, narrow circumstances, but a certain type of style of play. I feel like I know Jokic's game as well as anybody in the NBA, in part because I feel like my game, obviously at a much lower level, was so, so, so closely mirrors him, and that is that he's a passer, a post-up passer and an elbow passer. And guys like that, they're not... They're not, you just drop them the ball and expect them to make a play. You have very specific types of actions, maybe not set plays, but certain rules about how to cut, where to cut, when to cut, and so forth, that he makes the right read on more often than not. And that's why with Serbia, the game he really went off with Team USA, Radulica was in foul trouble Mm -hmm. and was out the game. And they kind of had to go to Jokic out of necessity, and I felt like that was the one game where he really shined. Mm -hmm. Bringing it back to the Nuggets, I really think he's not a guy that, oh, look at his numbers, look at his advanced stats, let's let's give him an iso on the wing, or let's give him an iso on the block and see what he does, because I don't think he's going to do very well. But if they play through him a lot on the, on the elbow and let him cut off of it, I think, and have a very structured, not structured plays, but again, structured philosophies and, and, and tendencies, he'll make the most out of. Well, we can kind
3: of go back to how Serbia used him a little, because... I think the game after the US against Croatia they were trying to just give him the ball like straight on the block in the post kind of to get him going yeah. and we were talking about like like that's not the best way to use him you know he's probably never going to develop into that guy you can just dump it into and get a bucket in the post but you know you can give it to him there but if you don't have any action off it if you don't have guys cutting and stuff right. like Serbia would just give it to him and then four guys would stand around the, the perimeter and you know that doesn't really do great things for your offense, but when he's with the Nuggets and you can you can give them to him in the post, you can give him to the high post and guys are you know have the basketball IQ to cut off of him and stuff, that's really productive to use him. But with Serbia, yeah, they were just throwing it to him in the post and just kinda letting him do his thing and, you know, with the Nuggets there's a little more structure and organization when he gets the ball there.
2: And that's the difference between him and Okafor, Jalil Okafor, I think, because Jalil Okafor is a guy that you can do that. Like you can give him an ISO post-up, two guys will double-team him and he'll score anyway, mm-hmm. at least more often than almost anybody else in the league. But Jokic, I, I feel like that skill is really overvalued, and the skills that Jokic brings are really undervalued. The only thing is you got to make sure that you use each guy in the right environment. So that, the reason I bring it up is because I'm very curious to see how Malone and the coaching staff tailors their offense this year to Jokic because, in my mind, there's a very real scenario in which Jokic is our go-to guy on offense. You play through him, and he makes a lot of great reads, and the offense flows. There's also a very real situation where that's not what happens, and he's put in too frequently. He's put in bad situations for his skill set, and he looks like he takes a step back. When I clearly think after watching the summer, I can't imagine him taking a step back because the skills are there. What um, is that? What do you think? Is that a fear? Do you think Coach Malone? We have almost a brand new coaching staff, but do you have a fear like I do that they're going to use him in a way that's not as effective?
0: I think in a, in a, in a way, um, I think that you should tailor your offense based off of Jokic, but you should put him in situations that he can succeed in. So, for instance, Gary Harris is not really a knockdown shooter, but he's a great slasher. Yeah. So you you would give it to Jokic, and then you could make a cut. He's yeah. a, he's a willing passer. He's a great passer. So. Put them in situations that you can have someone finish at the rim or slashing on a cut. Kenneth Fareed, Gary Harris, that, those are, are good ways Wilson that you can utilize too. them. I think Wilson he's Chandler, a great cutter. Those are the ways that you should basically tailor your offense with Jokic in the game.
2: Yeah. And I'm excited for that because I keep thinking about different combinations, and I think you got Wilson Chandler and Gary Harris, two guys that are you can't really leave them wide open because even if Gary Harris shot 35% last year, He's still a guy that you have to guard on the perimeter because he'll knock that. I, I think he's a very good shooter and could have an even better shooting year this year. But those two guys run splits actions, they're both so good at reading when to slip the screen, when to shortcut it, uh, when to curl it. So I think those two guys running the splits action off of Jokic is just going to be so much fun to watch because Jokic makes the right read and those two guys make the right read.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to think back to last year and I don't remember a ton of, you know, straight dumping it into him you know in the post right so i mean i I guess there is a concern you know as he gets better but i think there's enough good offensive players on this nuggets team that you know they don't really have to rely on him that much
2: but but
3: it's going to be a totally it could be a very different offense next season with chris fleming on so we don't really know what they're going to do
2: who's taking over the do we know who the offensive guy i mean i
3: assume it's going to be uh chris finch from houston
2: What's the rap on him? Like what, what what is he known as the offensive guru?
3: Well, he he was the head coach of the the Rockets D-League team okay. that kind of was one of those teams who really uh paced in space that took a lot of threes that really opened the floor up and then he kind of was the offensive coordinator in Houston, yeah. you know, from what I know. So it it could look a lot different than it did last year.
2: Harrison had a great article, an uh, interview with Wilson Chandler this week where Wilson talked about the offense being uh, kind of Fleming's, you know, that was what he did. So he, I think Harrison asked him about the offense, and he said, well, we'll have to see. We'll probably have something new because Fleming handled that last year. So it'll be interesting. I think that's one of the things. Preseason never tells you a whole lot, but this year I feel like it will tell us something because we'll see if there's a new offense being run and how much they're featuring Jokic. How much they're featuring Nurkic and how they use them differently. Um, anything else about Jokic's tournament that that stands out to you guys?
3: Um, no, I mean pro- positive tournament. Um, I said good bo- good momentum heading into next season.
2: The one thing I'll say about that USA game was that he looked really really confident the first one, which I don't think I had seen before because as the game was going into the fourth quarter, he was like calling for the ball. That three pointer he shot where Boogie actually probably fouled him by the way. It was probably an and one mm-hmm. three. Like, that was a very high-confidence three-points attempt. Um, And I would love if that confidence carried over next year because I don't think he's a... I wouldn't describe him as confident, and I wouldn't describe him as unconfident. He's just kind of he just kind of plays. Well, he's
3: kind of developing a little bit of an edge too. We saw him get into it with Cousins a couple times. I think in both games, and he's that's probably lose. more Cousins than Jokic, <laughs> <That's right>. but <laughs> I don't know that's pretty good to see. I think, yeah, the Joker. Yeah.
2: Uh, what about Joffrey's tournament? Uh, how much did you watch France, Dev, and and anything you took away from Joffrey?
0: I watched a few of uh, well, I actually watched about one, one and a half, <laughs> game, one and a half games of uh, Joffrey. So it, it wasn't it wasn't a bad tournament. Um, I was excited to see him out there actually playing and competing. Um, that was what I really wanted to see from him. I didn't I didn't think he would be like really comfortable in the offense or just playing. So it, it was good to actually see um, yeah. see him in um, in the tournament.
3: I watched. I watched a bunch of France. France always kind of disappoints me in international <laughs> competition. I always think they should be so much better than they are.
2: No, quite, if you just look at NBA players, yeah. they should be better because they had Batum. They've got Parker. They have uh, what was the big Gobert. Yeah, know, Decolo. Got... He's a yeah, he's NBA a player.
3: player. Um, no, I think Joffrey. It was pretty similar to his role with the Nuggets. <laughs> um, just kind of coming off the bench, and I, I thought he actually played. Pretty within himself uh, compared to how he played at times with the Nuggets last year, when it looked like he was really kind of, kind of pushing and reaching to make an impact on offense.
2: For him, that's probably a big skill too, because that's one of my complaints about him is that I don't think he knows how to play within himself all the time. Yeah. Not that he doesn't know how to play, but he—I always say that he's a guy that's his skill set is a skill set for a number one option, and he's <laughs> like a number eight option on the Nuggets. So that doesn't always doesn't always translate, but. Uh, Dev, where do you where do you stand on Joffrey? Are You a Joffrey fan, of, by and large? Me, I'm I'm not
0: big on Joffrey, but I'm glad that he's in his role. Like he, yeah. to me, he doesn't really stand out. Like to to do much, um, he does. He's gonna play hard nosed defense. He's gonna hustle for the ball. He's gonna shoot the corner three. He's he's comfortable around the rim. So. I, I'm I'm pretty big on Joffrey being a bench player. Exactly what he is.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty well well put. The thing with Joffrey is you know what you're getting with him. I think that's the his best attribute is you know what you're going to get on a night in night out basis. You know it's not amazing play, but it's you know you know he's going to give the effort.
2: Well, Harrison had the fire stat on Joffrey earlier that was he was like plus twenty against China, oh, yeah. plus something against another Venezuela or something, and then like minus twenty against all the good teams and. To me, that was look. That's a small sample size. You know, we're talking about a five game sample and like a twenty minute per game sample. But it does. It also seems so fitting for Joffrey that definitely his skill set is hustling and kind of overpowering and outworking, and that works against Scrubs. But mm-hmm. uh, when you actually have to guard a, a healthy pick and roll, and I actually wondered that too. Was how much is it that Venezuela and China are just not that great pick and roll teams, and that's his big weakness? Not just less talented, but that they're they're pick and roll heavy. Heavy-type teams. Um, yeah, but that's all I would probably, probably say about those guys. Any other thoughts about Olympic basketball that you think are worth bringing up?
3: I, th- I think the world's catching up, and the U.S. probably has to do a better job uh, selecting a team in, in the future.
2: What would have happened? Let's just play devil's advocate here. This team has LeBron on the roster, has Curry on the roster, has Chris Paul on the roster, and has Westbrook. Is this tournament – is there – Are we seeing the same problems? Some close games, some sloppy plays, too much ISO ball, or is this every game is forty
0: points? I'll say for for one, I'll say that you wouldn't hear so many narratives about how important. The Olympic basketball is uh, compared to winning a championship with your team. <laughs> t- God. That was something that stuck with me throughout the whole Man, tournament.
2: Who all did it? So we have, we know DeAndre said it, we know Melo said it. Was there anybody
0: else? No, that was enough that was- for me. Like, no one else <laughs> wanted to stand out. But I, I think that it wouldn't have been as interesting because right. every game would have looked like the championship game 30 plus um, wins every single game. Um, no fun. Um, none of the DeAndre Jordan bird on the sideline it would just been a lot of serious basketball winning by 30 each game
2: that's such a funny point to make because you're right there really wasn't anybody to call them out i mean draymond green might have been the only dude that could that i could see calling these guys out for saying that but if lebron was there you got to think first of all context matters olympic gold medals are great you represent your country but the struggle to win a gold is not like the struggle to win an nba championship so That's an interesting, like, parallel universe to think about where LeBron is there and he says, you know, what? Yeah. No, no, no. Get out of here. Another another thing is,
3: like, a lot of these guys are really young. A lot of these guys, is like their first Olympics, too. So, I mean, it, yeah, you can't really blame them for that, I guess. It's just their first time in this whole thing. You get wrapped up and consumed by it if you're really in it, I'm sure.
2: One thing I keep thinking about was all the LeBron James stories from 2008 and how Coach K allegedly, I can't confirm this, I've just heard the story that Coach K came and said, I don't want LeBron on this team, he's too immature, he doesn't take it seriously enough, he doesn't have respect for authority and what have you. And you fast-forward to LeBron now, and say what you will bad about him, but I don't think those issues are issues. Like, if he's on Team USA, he's a leader. He's not a distraction. And it was watching these guys, it did have a 2008 LeBron vibe in that, you know, not that these guys shouldn't be out having a good time at Rio, because they should be. This would be an experience for them. But they're they're goofy. They're doing the bird dance on the sideline. They had three straight games of like really, really close competition, and it didn't look like it, because yeah. they just don't seem to be taking it that serious. So
3: <laughs> To me, it just looked like 12 guys on vacation in Rio for yeah. three weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of fun. I yeah. think KD said this. They asked, or they asked Melo, actually, about how this team compares, and he said... There's far more personalities on this team. Funny personalities than any time before. And I can see it. Well, you
3: think back to that 08 team. You had guys like Jason Kidd there and like Tayshaun his, uh, Prince and Michael Redd. Chris Paul, I mean, too. it's just a totally different dynamic.
2: I mean, those guys are all... I mean, they play You know, when the cameras aren't watching. They're having a good time and stuff. But when the, the lights are on, those guys yeah. are intense. They know how to lock it up. They'd be yelling at DeAndre to quit that stupid dance. <laughs> 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 yeah. know, for sure. Um, how will you remember this team compared to other ones? From Like, 2008 was the Redeem team, right? That was a big one. And Kobe was on it, and Kobe was kind of the godfather of the team. It was fun. 2012, for me, it was a bunch of shooters and LeBron,
0: just being LeBron. How
2: will this team? What are you going to take away from it? I'll start with you, Dev. I,
0: I think this was the young team. Like, this was the younger generation team. Like, uh, there was no real – like, if you really look at the, the age, I think, who was the oldest? Carmelo would be the oldest yeah. or – the, the veteran guy on the team Probably, and yeah. he just now started taking that stand of being into like that that type of role um, so it, it was the young team to just basically just keep us afloat as the best the best Olympic basketball team so yeah. I think that's what I'll look at it is the youth in the group
2: well you look at it as fondly as two thousand eight two thousand twelve like how would you rank them not just on talent because I think clearly they're the third best team in talent but just in terms of like how much you like them or root for
0: them. What What's interesting is with those other teams, you knew for a fact that they were going to win. Like each time <laughs> you knew they they were going to win, but you kind of pushed on their side. You were like, okay, that's the team that I like. With this team, they, they had to weather some storms. They had to actually go through adversity. They won a few games by not a lot of points. If the, if the 2008 team had a close game, you were like, oh, this looks terrible. How are they going to get around it? Now it was just like, Okay, let's see. Let's see how they go around it. So, I think this team should have been liked a little bit more, but you just don't have that feel with this team.
3: I don't feel like this team is going to be very memorable at all. Like, I feel like I'm not even going to remember some of these games in a couple yeah. of years from now. I think I'm going to remember this Olympics more for like Brazil Argentina and, you know, Serbia Croatia and some of the other international teams rather than the U.S. team.
2: Do you think at least part of that... That's an interesting comment, and I kind of agree with you, but do you think a part of that is just because th- those teams were so... I mean, if you think about the second-best team, in this, we, we all said it was Serbia, and the sixth-best team, there's not that much of a gap between them. Like, yeah. Brazil didn't even make the, the playoff round, and they're, a, they're not that much worse than Serbia. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why... Or do you think it's just more to do with either's not invested in watching Kyle Lowry play?
3: I think it's both, man. I think part of it is cuz there's a lot of really good international players that are in the NBA and they kind of you get to see them in a different element when they play with their with their home country team. And then part of it's just like this US team wasn't wasn't that interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Last one I'll go for here is what uh, now that it's all over and we see where all the medals are does this match up what you would have hoped for coming into it, or I, what I'm kind of hinting at here is Argentina? This is the end of the golden generation, and they kind of went out. I mean, they they just finished in the quarterfinals. They didn't get a medal. Is there a, was there a more Cinderella
0: end finish that this Olympics could have had for you? I just wish that it would have been closer. Because uh, yeah. my whole take was this was the year that a team could have maybe upset USA. Or yeah. Just yeah. this was the year. So. With them going out the way that they did and letting a team like Serbia be the second best team in it, it, it it wasn't what I thought it would be. Yeah, I was kind of expecting a little more out of
3: Spain, to be honest. I thought, yeah. I thought they could, if they m- matched up with the U.S. in the gold medal game. I mean, obviously the U.S. beat them pretty easily in what yeah, was at the it was semis. Six points,
2: but it was really it wasn't more than it that didn't
3: seem that close. It, yeah. I thought I thought Spain could especially because games were so close against Serbia and they almost lost. I thought Spain could really push them, but, you know, they just didn't have it. They're kind of in between. You know, they have the Gasol, Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Rodriguez generation. They're yeah. kind of trying to transition into the Rubio, yeah. Hernan Gomez
2: Era. Well, by the way, Willie Herman Gomez just looks like a twin brother of Wancho, but bigger, right? He yeah. just looks like a stretched out version, yeah. and not nearly as good. I actually like Wancho a lot better, but yeah, way. same. Um, yeah, I would have liked Argentina to have gone out, even if not on top, with like some kind of upset win. I thought Lithuania was really disappointing in this one. We talked about mm-hmm. Jonas Valanciunas off off the air, and he just kind of looked like another guy out there. He didn't look anything special. And then
3: France, of course disappointment. Yeah,
2: and then even Australia looked like clearly, I thought for a while there they looked like the second best team and maybe the biggest threat. And For them to not get a medal has got to be kind of disappointing for them, um, especially to lose by 30 points or whatever it was to Serbia. So they'll be a good team going forward because they have young guys coming in like Exum, uh, Simmons. Mm -hmm. They'll have some talent in the pipeline, but very disappointing. I think I saw that they played in four straight bronze medal games and have lost every single one. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be tough.
3: Yeah, they're definitely on the rise though. Them, Serbia, Croatia should be all should be all really good teams we're in, gonna uh, get we're gonna get to that in, in a second tokyo. Cause,
2: yeah i think tokyo is gonna be pretty lit as the kids say am i using that correctly? No. <laughs> yeah that's a good sentence we'll, we'll take that all right um, we're gonna move on real quick but i want to tell you first about washclubdenver.com. Washclub dot com. denver is a brand new laundry company that offers on-demand pickup and delivery of laundry they'll come what they'll do is they'll actually pick up your laundry or dry cleaning from your house take it to their state-of-the-art facility to be cleaned and return it to you within 24 hours this is Laundry of the Future, by the way. Um, this is I think this is like in 10 years' time, every, everybody will be using this service.
3: What does state the state-of-the-art facility mean?
2: I'm guessing it's better than a, a, like a laundry a machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they can actually they, – they, they offer all types of different services for your laundry as well. Um, here's how it works. You simply place an order on washclubdenver.com or you can download the Wash Club app. You enter your order. You enter, up your, enter your pickup and delivery address, and they'll actually take care of everything else for you. You don't even have to worry. Just set it out there on your porch or patio or wherever it is you want them to pick it up. Uh, really, really cool uh, service. They actually service all of the metro area, all the way down from Highlands Ranch, all the way out to the boonies like I am up here in Commerce City by the airport. So anywhere in the metro area, they will be your go-to service. Again, that's Wash Club Denver. And here's the best part. The guys over there are actually Denver Stiffs readers, and they will give you a 25% discount if you use the promo code STIFFS, S-T-I-F-F-S. Use that promo code, and you'll get 25% off of your order. WatchClubDenver.com or the Watch Club app. All right, guys, let's get back into the Olympic talk here. Um, I hear millennials are not watching the Olympics. That's the big report out today that, that NBC... I think it's such crap. <laughs> I didn't even read the article. I just saw the headline of that, and I could Same. tell it was crap. But uh, but it is funny because the numbers are down, and I think that has more to do with media than anything else. But before we get into that, I want to ask, Are you were you guys into the Olympics? Was this, like, exciting for you? Not just Olympic basketball, but broader Olympics. Were you glued to your TV and, and, and excited about it?
0: I think, honestly, with Usain Bolt, I was just really excited to see what he was going to bring this year, how many... Go, he can go for also like basically the return of michael phelps though those, those yeah. two those two things kind of kept me glued to the tv without those two i'm not sure how much i would have actually watched i think the olympics really makes me realize how much i like dominance like
2: how much i like a dominant athlete or dominant team that's why for me the warriors i love basketball and i love beautiful basketball and the warriors this year even though they didn't win the championship i was never bored of the regular season because i liked watching them play It's the same thing with Michael Phelps. Like, when I'm watching swimming, I'm not going for the underdog. I want Michael Phelps to lap everybody. (laughs) And uh, Ledecky, same thing, man. I love that she won by, like, 20 seconds or whatever. I Uh, was probably less
3: engaged in these Olympics than I have been for, like, the past couple. Why Um, is that? I think the whole – all the controversy and stuff surrounding Rio kind of killed it for me a bunch, at least leading up to it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like basketball was the only thing I really paid attention to. I watched, you know, the gold medal, you know track events and swimming events. But I, I just feel like I wasn't as engaged as I was. And I, I think we can go back to the whole millennials thing and how NBC doesn't allow people to you know, post gifs or videos on Twitter and stuff. And how I look at it is when the NBA allows people to do that, it's like free marketing, it's free advertising. So I just don't think NBC is really in tune with their audience
2: that's maybe this people kept bringing up two things right the first was that they didn't allow the media to be shared on you know on on gifts and things like that and the other was the tape delay and for me the tape delay i actually think was not that big of a deal it was really annoying but if you really wanted to watch you can go online and i felt people do that but the other part of it the sharing sports are such a shared experience Mm -hmm. now the part of the reason I've grown an interest in NBA over the years is because of the conversation. It's because of basketball Twitter. It's because all you guys are writing articles and I read it, and you guys post video breakdowns and stuff. That adds to the excitement, and the entertainment of it. So yeah, for the M, for NBC not to allow that, I mean they shot themselves in the foot basically. I I feel, but um, but it is interesting to hear that you didn't that you weren't that engaged in it. I think it was honestly just a lot of the stuff about how, pardon my
3: language, but shitty a place. Rio is, you know, it's, it's a third world country and,
2: and a lot of people getting screwed by, by the Olympics being there. Yeah.
3: And just like, imagine, you know, they're probably going to get killed, you know, in four years when nobody's using these stadiums and everything like every Olympic host city does.
2: Who was it that had the bobsled arena from like 10 years ago? That's just an abandoned track in the middle of a a field, like overtaking it. And that's probably Beijing. That's probably Beijing. Yeah, possibly. Um, Yeah, but I'll say, so it's funny to me because I used to grow, you know, I was always football and basketball. I was a football, those were the sports I watched, spectator sports. I played a bunch of other sports, soccer and baseball, whatever, but the sports I sat down to watch was football and basketball, and I've lost interest in football more and more every single year, like some of the same reasons you talk about, like the health things and stuff like that, but uh, it's funny because the Olympics is sports that I definitely do not care about. But I still get into it for some reason. Like, I don't care about kayaking, but I'm watching, I'm like sitting here watching kayakers and I'm glued to my TV for 20 minutes, cheering them on. Do you feel any of that or not so much?
0: I think I, I feel that for sure. There's some sports that I'm just, most most of mine is just intrigued. I'm just shocked like this is really a sport. Yeah. And how how is it that they're they're doing it on a professional level? And like,
2: they look good too. Some of these sports, you could tell the dudes are really good at it.
0: I'm really shocked. And, and 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 like kayaking, for instance, like how do you practice kayaking? How many hours a day would it? So most of mine comes with intrigue. So that's why I'm kind of into the the yeah. the, the, the extra sports.
2: Yeah, I would say uh, let's rank some of the sports here because I think handball wins. And it's funny because I feel like this is my third Olympics as an adult and every time the same narrative comes out, people want to know, why aren't we playing handball? I think
3: handball, it's because it has like a lot of elements that other American sports have. Like yeah. You could envision handball like being played at a professional level in the yeah. U.S. And it would be more awesome. so than some of these other sports.
2: I think everybody on basketball Twitter made the same comment as like, oh, I think I'd be really good at handball. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I could play handball professionally, but... Um, yeah, handball was a good one Swimming, I thought the backlash to swimming Into Michael Phelps was really interesting On basketball Twitter Because there's definitely a cross-section of basketball Twitter That like does not want to give Michael Phelps Too much credit for being the greatest Olympian ever And the argument is kind of valid He's a great swimmer But he just swims different distances Like It's all the same skill It's almost like playing 5-on-5 basketball 4-on-4, 3-on-3 um, But it's still fun to watch I still get into it. I'll never – I won't watch a second of swimming until four years from now.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I I think it's awesome because we don't watch these sports for four years and then we're like, oh, wow, this is cool. You know, it's it's Michael Phelps. And then we can really get into it for a week and then we're good not watching it for
2: another four years. You know the sport – if I trained – like all these sports I I could train my whole life for and I don't think I would make the Olympics. But the one I guarantee I couldn't make is ping pong. Those (laughs) guys are so good. The guys and the girl. It's insane. I do not remember the ping pong players in the Olympics being that quick with like they would have hundred mile per hour volleys back and forth like six or seven times. Just how they hold the racket. I don't even yeah. get how they hold the racket. Like I can't hold it like that. Yeah. I have to like hold it like a
3: freaking tennis racket. It
2: Makes me realize how bad I am at ping pong. Like I'm really bad. Those guys Oh yeah. I could play to a million and I wouldn't score a single point on them. <laughs> Uh, what else? Is anything else you guys were watching that caught your attention this time around?
3: Um, I I thought the whole um. Did you see the argument? It was on a lot of people were talking about it on Twitter. The decathlon, how everybody's saying that guy's like the best athlete in the world, but if you put LeBron James into the decathlon, he'd just clean up.
2: What? <laughs> what you, would you think about that? I hadn't heard that, and I didn't even watch the decathlon. But that's track and field events, right? Like 10 of them? Yeah, like it's shop ten, pub, Yeah, disc, It's pretty much distance. all the
3: track and field events. Hurdling.
2: Would LeBron be the best, or would a guy like West? I feel like Westbrook maybe. Would yeah, be or some, some really athletic
3: NBA player just put him in there.
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I have a lot of respect for those track and field guys, just because my brother does distance running, and in mm. college he did 10Ks. And I trained with him one time for about five minutes. That's all I lasted. He was doing, I want to say, like a minute three splits around the track. So like 4, 12, or something along that line. And I could sprint for one lap. And that was my sprinting pace. And he did it like 30 laps. Yeah. So I have those guys. I know LeBron's a tremendous athlete. But a lot of those are endurance things that that's such a different thing. LeBron's a big a big engine.
3: Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to think if there were any other events that... I really liked Hand, handball, of course. Women's
2: gymnastics for me was and it, it, women's was like way better than men's. I thought this year. Well, the
3: men's team always disappoints. The, the U.S. <laughs> men's gymnastics team—they always disappoint in the Olympics. And then the the women's team is just you know always the top dog.
2: Simone Biles. It's funny because they're all so short, and Simone Biles looks so much shorter than all of them. Yeah. So it's almost like warps your perspective. Because what is she four foot eight?
3: Yeah, you need a pretty specific, specific like gymnast body. I feel like
2: is four foot eight more of an uh, outlier for a woman than seven foot for a male. I wonder. No, I don't don't see that many four foot eight people. I think it's tiny. That is tiny. Like my daughter is a year and a half. She's like two foot three. I mean, (laughs) think about it. These
3: think about they could still grow a couple inches. They're like sixteen years old.
2: That's a good point. That's a really good point. So. Let's do some quick, brief Nuggets news here. Nuggets have added two players to their training camp roster and have given them guaranteed deals assuming they make the roster, which to me seems like they will not make the roster. Did you hear anything about the Walters deal? Nobody, the, the Nuggets have done a weird thing this year in that they have not released press releases on some big signings, including these two guys. I haven't seen anything official from the Nuggets and... Jordy Fernandez, who was announced by The Post actually to be joining the staff, which I have not seen a confirmation of, and that was two months ago. So the Nuggets are doing weird things right now, which makes it really hard for bloggers like us to report because there's nothing official about it. Um, but what what's being reported by guys allegedly in the know, like Eric Pincus and, and Shams Sharania, is that uh, DJ Kennedy and Nate Walters are both on the roster and will be at training camp and have an opportunity to earn a roster spot what do you make of this news? Uh, I'll start with you, Deb. What do you make of this news, and is it is it something to get excited about, or is this just
0: practice bodies? I don't think it's anything to get excited about. When I when I hear about things like that, when you already have the team, and there's players that we kind of already want to see fight for a position on the team, I think it's just the Nuggets doing a solid for these players and, yeah. and giving them a chance to stake around the league for a little bit longer before they have to make their trips to overseas or where D-League or whatever the case may be. Let me ask
2: you something. Just because you brought it up, I find it interesting. These guys can make legit money overseas, like really good money, millions of dollars overseas. If your option was bounce around the D-League, 15th guy on the bench in the NBA, or millions of dollars and go-to guy for Seska Moscow, for me that's an easy call. I'd be in Moscow right now living it up, even though I know those guys. There's... There's ups and downs to living abroad and playing for those teams, but am I seeing that
3: wrong? I, I think it's different player by player. Yeah, you know, some guys sure. I've talked to, like I talked to Xavier Silas, who's a former player at CU, and he's bounced around the D-League and overseas and Summer League, and what he said was, like, hey, my goal is to play in the NBA. That's still a dream of mine. He's 28, so you know, time's kind of running out for him, yeah. but you got to be you know stateside if you want to you know get a roster spot like during the season like called up from the d league or something yeah. so i mean he's played overseas and he's made probably close to six figures in spain and you know beautiful places and great quality of life great places to live but yeah. some guys just their dream is still to play in the nba so the d league is the closest thing to that and the logical kind of way place to go from that
0: the, the fear i think that players get with playing overseas or um, Not playing in the D-League is once you go into the D-League, I mean, overseas, you kind of get acclimated to that. Like, you're stuck there. Yeah. Once you make that, that trip there, you're not going to really make make it back to the NBA once that happens. Steph, right. I, I don't remember his last name, the Yee guy. Ye, that Gianni just went yeah, back Gianni to the other. The, oh yeah he's like he's one, the one the of the only yeah. like it's not it doesn't happen much that you make that trip back to the United States that's uh, a good point after.
2: once you get to commit there it's almost like yeah you given up and there have been guys like Chris Copeland played
3: in overseas right. for five six seven years or something then he's he learned, got back in the league and got a big contract he's so my age
2: he seems like a younger guy but he's really at really retirement age for for role players well not too many role players make it past thirty three. <sighs> um, Yeah,
3: so I mean, you can do it both ways, but it's just—I think it's just player by player.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and I'm taking the emotional part out of it because for me, obviously, I never had a dream to play in the NBA or like a you know a realistic dream or anything like that. But so I'm making it a rational decision when these guys are really probably it's more of an emotional Mm -hmm. decision. All right, let's. I think we all agree that these guys come into camp. It's probably more about. Agents and helping these guys out. Than anything I do else. think.
3: I do think the one thing is that, like, if the Nuggets pull off a trade, a big trade, like they've been prodding for, you know, for the last year or so, they have a couple bodies that they might be comfortable with at the very end of the bench. Well, let me ask
2: you this: It comes down to DJ Kennedy and Axel Tupan. Who are you taking?
3: Probably Axel Tupan, just
2: because you know his game. Yeah. he knows the system. He knows the terminology. And DJ Kennedy, by the way, because I I'll, this is funny that we're going to talk a scouting report on a guy we only watched in some <laughs> pickup style basketball league, but he seemed like more of a gunner than anything. I'm sure he's different, you know, in an NBA setting or something. But he seemed like more of a isolation type score. I mean, he shot every time he touched the ball. On yeah, he was. Team. I
3: mean, he was the best player in that tournament. I've never yeah. really watched tape of him in the D League or overseas. So Man, I don't really I know C, how he is. I
2: thought C was going to get him. They should have. See you blew that game. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's too bad. It would have been a nice oh, yeah. nice win for them. All right, let's uh, let's finish with this one. It'll be fun. The Olympics now in Tokyo in 2020, and LeBron has said that he is not retired from international basketball. He's just taking a hiatus. And here's the one thing that makes me believe that. And this was not my idea. This was brought up by I think Nate Jones, one of the a really good follow on basketball Twitter, is Tokyo is a huge market. It's a gateway into Asia, the Asian market, and those Olympics will have much more marketing opportunities than the Rio Olympics did. So maybe LeBron is thinking here at 35, 36 years old, this is a great chance for me to, to kind of build on my market out there. Let's just go through real quick, uh, and I'll open it up. We'll start with you, Dev. What guys do you expect to see on the 2020 roster for Team USA?
0: when I start with it, I'll start with a, a few of the younger players that's on most likely. the USA yeah. team. And then from there, I would just go with a few players from the select team um, okay. if I had to go with it. Um, so like a DeMar DeRozan. You think uh, he's back? I think he has to come back. Oh, he he plays so bad, he has to come back. Uh, will will they take him back, though? I don't know. Yeah, he's a guy that... I think he has to come back. He, he wasn't as bad as like Harrison Barnes. Well, let's do the shoe-ins.
2: Anthony Davis is a shoe-in if he's healthy, right? Anthony Davis, I would think. And Carl Anthony Towns, assuming he looks by all accounts to be the best oh, center in the league uh, Imagine how years. he's
3: going to be in three years, four years from now. So
2: I think Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis are probably the two most likely uh, additions to this team. Well, I
3: think... What you said was pretty interesting about LeBron and the marketing ideas in Asia. Because do you think there could be a scenario where somebody like LeBron commits, and then you see all these vets like Chris Paul and Melo and saying,
2: "Hey, maybe I kind of want one last run at this." Here's the thing about those guys: is I don't think they commit until they know they're selected, because I don't. LeBron, LeBron's different because unless he like blows out his knee, he's gonna be he gets to pick. But a guy like Chris Paul, for example. In four years, he might not be the best option at point guard. He might be, but he might not be, and it would be weird for him to commit. And then like, oh no, we're actually taking Curry and, and Westbrook, or something else. You
3: don't think they would give a just give a roster spot to those guys? You think they have they to gotta, really compete
2: for one? They got to think down the road, and and they got to keep that pipeline of guys. You know, it's the same thing yeah. with Kobe this year. Even though Kobe was obviously not just he was not a good player, but. They gotta keep. They gotta keep people wanting to be on this team. And if you just take old guys, that kind of kills your pipeline. Yeah. All right, we're not doing too good so far. So we gotta, all right, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I kind of got us off <laughs> track. All right, let's go Steph, back. Steph Curry, I think, would probably be a shoe in again, assuming health. He'll only be thirty years old. So I mean, he he won't be too too old if he wants to play. I think he'll be on this team. Mm-hmm. So we got Curry, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis. This is a phenomenal <laughs> start, by the
0: way. Yeah, you might as well go by a position if you do that. Uh, so you, Lillard would have to be another point guard if we go by position. Yeah. He certainly looks like he will be. He'll be
2: the other guy. Are there any young point guards? Well, you could think guard? about.
3: You can think about Westbrook. He's been in the system for a while.
0: I like how interesting D'Angelo Russell has been looking since. It's. He's still young, but he's he's getting better to me. I like him. He won't be that young at the time because, yeah, what is he now, 19?
2: He'll be 23. That's a legitimate age. I mean, that's an interesting name. I like it. D'Angelo, it's still too early, I would say, to say that he's going to overtake a Lillard or somebody like that, but he can shoot what you need in international play. He's got great vision. He could be a playmaker. A little bit weak on D, so that would be an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, What about Kawhi? Greg Popovich is taking over the coaching role. For for team coach K is stepping down now he's officially retired as USA's coach so Kawhi would be a guy that I think would be the multi tool player. And I he think would be great on
3: yeah basketball. you think Kawhi would be there. You got to think Paul George would still be there. He's, he's pretty young still maybe
2: so like thirty one. to be. I uh, think he's yeah yeah maybe younger. You he's know.
3: might be a year younger, but you think he'll be there?
2: This is a good team so far, by the way. I actually kind of like this team as it is. There's a lot of you th- I think Clay Thompson will probably be there. Clay's another guy. Yeah, he could he could absolutely be there in the That's because the
3: thing is with this team that just played, a lot of these guys are still pretty young, just enter, entering their primes, like Clay and Paul George. So, yeah, I think you could see a lot of the same guys.
2: KD has now been to one World Championship and two Olympics. You got to think he might be done, or at least it's fifty fifty. It's it's not it's not very certain that he would be back for another one. That's a lot of toll to put on his body, especially. There's a really good chance he's in the NBA Finals two straight, yeah. two three yeah. four straight years in a row now.
0: Yep. Uh, Blake Griffin, do you think he's a guy?
2: Do you think he's nah, probably on too many,
0: the game? Too many injuries. injuries? Yeah, he's just going to want to just rest a little bit when the season's done.
3: I do. I do think it's interesting what you said about if LeBron commits. I think you could see a lot of potential old, older guys trying to make the team.
2: About Mello. We, of course, we haven't been on Twitter because we've been recording this. But I wonder if Melo has announced his retirement or if he's going to keep I, that door open.
3: <laughs> I hope Mel, I hope this is it for Mello. You mean, see it enough. I, I hope this is his last Olympics. Uh,
2: did we put Kyrie on here? By the way, I don't think we did. Kyrie's twenty three.
3: Kyrie is the model U.S. basketball player. Kyrie has to stay.
2: <laughs> he will be in. He'll be in his middle of his prime at this point. Ooh, but Kevin Love, another guy that's kind of young. He played on. The World Championship team, I believe. Was he on the 2012 team? I think was he on that team? He might have been. We'd have to look it up. All these teams are starting to blend together. He he
0: was on that team.
2: What about this? Any
0: guys? Draymond too?
2: Brandon Ingram maybe? I mean, he doesn't look like a guy that'll be a top player in four years, but it's possible. Four years is kind of a long time. Um, Yeah. So what we have now, I kind of like this roster. There's no true center. Other than Carl Anthony Towns. But Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Steph Curry, Lillard, Westbrook, and Kyrie. It's a lot of point guards. But Curry can play the two. Kyrie can kind of play off ball. And Westbrook, Westbrook is the two. Yeah, and Westbrook, Westbrook is the two. can play off ball too. D'Angelo Russell, Kawhi, Paul George, Clay. And then you have your wild cards with guys like LeBron and CP3 and KD. That team is good enough to win gold again. I'd say. It's kind of funny to live when, when you kind of lay I mean, it out. that's a much better team than this year's yeah well any team with LeBron just because one of the things we talked about this team needing was that all-around facilitator and LeBron with a bunch of players like this imagine LeBron running pick and roll with Anthony Davis I mean it's still my dream or Carl Anthony Towns even so what's what's kind of funny about all those
3: point guards is they're not great defenders yeah so I I think you were talking about it earlier but if you have LeBron kind of handling the ball yeah you could have just a much better defensive team if you we're able to take those point guards off the floor. The dream
2: lineup that I don't think we'll ever get, but you could go with, like, Towns, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. And those dudes are all 6'8 or taller, interchangeable, play center, play point guard on defense, and then they can all shoot, which would be a lot of fun. All right, last thing, guys, is uh, obviously we're we're projecting into the future, but top teams of the Tokyo Olympics project to be we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Australia, I think, has to be one of the favorites. They'll still have Baines, Della Vidova, Patty Mills. They'll add Ben Simmons, Dante Exum. I think they're probably the favorite of the field to compete and, and challenge.
3: you got to think France looks like they're clearly <laughs> on their way down. I
0: can't wait to see France disappoint again in four years. Uh, Canada would have to be a lot better. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: Canada. Steve Nash now there. They're gonna running the show, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna have Wiggins, uh, Tristan oh, J- Thompson, Jamal Murray to be there. Jamal, ooh, Jamal Murray. We might have <laughs> some more Nuggets represented in the in nice. this next one. Serbia is gonna be there. Yeah. yeah, Croatia too. I would, especially I would
3: have had. if Serbia gets uh, Boban. Yes, yes. If, if they had him, him and Jokic up front, that's pretty imposing. I yeah, I'd say Serbia and Australia are are definitely the two teams to. To watch out for. Yeah, that'll Croatia, be out. too.
2: Yeah, that'll be fun. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's kind of a drag. So what are we at now? August 15th or, or August 20... 21st. 21st. So August 21st. We've got basically a month with no basketball. I mean, this is the real off season begins right now. So um, hopefully you enjoyed the Olympics because that was kind of a nice little stopgap. But uh, things get real here for the next month. Go see your families. Uh, go do some work. Whatever it is you got to do, Harrison BSN Denver. Follow him at NBA Wind uh, Dev. Thanks so much for coming on my high Sports. If you're not following him already, definitely hop on. Give him your
0: Twitter handle. I believe it's just my name, W. Uh, Johnson. Yeah, that's too long. You got to cut that <laughs> up.
2: We'll have to think of a shorter one. Nah, I'm just playing. Now, nah, definitely follow. Give these guys both a follow. Tremendous follows. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you, buddy.
1: Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe
2: on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.